want to welcome you back to another season of God Wins. We're going to call this one God's Win, God Wins uh, Part 2. And what we've done in the last part of last year is we've went through, we're going through the book of Revelation. We've already covered the first seven chapters. And what we've done is we've read the, we've read the, th- the seven letters to the churches in Asia Minor. We've, we've seen that there is a throne in heaven occupied and somebody is on it, surrounded by four living creatures, one with the face of an ox, one with an eagle, one with the face of a man, one with the face of a lion. We have seen that the throne of God is surrounded by 24 elders. We have seen that that is surrounded by multitudes of angels and multitudes of saints. Uh, we have seen in chapter 7 a worship service going on in heaven where 144,000 supercharged Jewish evangelists are released upon the nation during the Great Tribulation. We have seen the Lamb take the scroll for He is worthy to open the seals. And when we look at chapter 8 today, we are going to see something that is powerful. That seal with seven uh, that scroll with seven seals on it that John described that the Lamb has. Every time that scroll is mentioned, we are seeing a land deed. We are seeing a last will and testament. We are seeing a document of ownership. And when that scroll is open, we are seeing the, the global uh, a Google Earth version of what God's going to do in the Great Tribulation. It's the big picture. That's what we've seen so far. But when we get to Revelation chapter 8, verse 1, we're going to see the more granular approach, a street-level Google approach, if you will, of what's going to happen throughout the dynamics of the Great Tribulation. Um, right before the seventh seal is broken, we've already seen other seals broken, the four horsemen of the apocalypse and earthquakes and wars and things like that. But as that seventh seal is broken, something very unique happens in heaven. In fact, the Bible says in Revelation chapter 8, verse 1, let's pick it up right there. When he opened the seventh seal, there was a what in heaven for about half an hour? All right, y'all, that is as out of place as Kentucky Fried Chicken running out of chicken or Krispy Kreme running out of donuts. How in the world can heaven be silent? you got to remember, heaven is a noisy place. They've been worshiping God since, since eternity was a child. They have done nothing but praise God. The eagles and all those creatures with all the eyes and all the angels and the saints and, and the four living creatures saying, holy, 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 worthy is the Lamb. They've sung this forever. But for 30 minutes in heaven, it's silent. Who's silent? Well, According to this, God doesn't say anything. The four living creatures don't say anything. The 24 elders don't say anything. The angels don't say anything. The multitude doesn't say anything. Man, there is just a holy hush in heaven. Heaven is silent. Now, the reason why I think heaven is silent there in Romans chapter, I'm sorry, Revelation chapter 8, is that for the first time they're seeing the totality and the depth of God, the depth of God's judgment over a wavered humanity, over a world that has been cursed by sin. They are, heaven is seeing for the first time the full depth of God's redemptive plan to restore the earth. And it just makes them freak. They just hush. They don't know what to say. You ever seen a? You ever seen pictures of an of, a, of an auto accident and you don't say a word? Or you can just sit there and look at it. That's what they're seeing. They're saying, "I don't believe the carnage. I can't. I, I, I can't even begin to understand the depth of this judgment." The scroll may have been turned over when that seventh seal was broken and maybe there was writing on both ends of it. And whenever the the, the citizenship of heaven saw what God was going to do, all they could do was give a holy reverent awe and silence. I want you to listen to what comes out as that seventh seal is broken. Seven angels come out with horns. I want you to see what comes out of those horns because it's judgment. Chapter 6, I'm sorry, Revelation 8, verse 6. And we're going to skip a few, but I'm going to come back and get 2, 3, 4, and 5. Then the seven angels who had the seven trumpets, church say trumpets, they prepared to sound them. 
The first angel sounded his trumpet, and there came hail and fire mixed with blood, and it was hurled down to the earth. A third of the earth, and by the way, I'm telling you these are granular because we don't get numbers like this with the seven seals. We don't get the, the specific details that we get in the trumpets that we, that we didn't get in the seals. This is more granular, more detailed. This is the street level, Google street level approach to what's going to go down. A third of the earth was burned up, and a third of the trees were burned up, and all the green grass was burned up. Y'all are not going to be able to eat. The second angel sounded the trumpet, and something like a huge mountain, all ablaze, was thrown into the sea. A third of the sea turned into blood. You can't drink the water. A third of the living creatures in the sea died. You cannot have your filet of fish. A third of the ships were destroyed. All the ships that were waiting with cargo out in the harbor a third of them are sitting on the bottom of the bay. The name of the star is Wormwood. A third of the water turns bitter. And many people died from the waters that had become bitter. The fourth angel sounded his trumpet and it wasn't no better. And a third of the sun was struck. Photosynthesis can happen. A third of the moon and a third of the stars so that a third of them turned dark. A third of the day was without light and also a third of the night. I don't know if that's describing a nuclear winter. I don't know what that's describing. But I do know that the earth is not getting enough sun in the great tribulation. As I watched, I heard an eagle that was flying in midair call out to the loud vo with a loud voice. As these seals are broken, the, the eagle is saying, Whoa, 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 listen up all inhabitants of the earth. How many inhabitants? All of them. Because of the trumpet blast about to be sounded by the other three angels. Basically what that text tells us, you've not seen anything yet, it's going to get a lot worse. Now church, when I look at these judgments, I can understand why heaven got quiet. When I look at these judgments, I can understand why there was a holy hush over heaven because there was every inch of the earth, every inch of the earth that is affected by these, by these trumpet judgments. You can't hide in a cave. You can't go to the, uh, you can't go to the bottom of the ocean to escape any of this. This judgment falls upon the whole earth because the whole earth is underneath the curse of sin. And God is not redeeming parts of the earth. He's redeeming all of it. Church, there's not an inch of earth that's not affected in some way. The earth is, the seas are, the rivers are, the heavens are. Mankind is, mankind is tormented. Armies are rising up against armies. Nations against nations. And when we see that idea of the trumpet judgment, when we typically think of, of trumpets in the Bible, we typically think of a shofar. Let's hear that thing blast. We think of the shofar, the ram's horn. Keep on playing that, honey. Um, we typically think of the shofar horn, and that's what was blown to signal people to come to the temple. Go keep blowing it. That was what was called to take people to repentance. That was what was blown during uh, the feast. It was to call people to uh, the 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 uh, the temple where the presence of God was. And inside this this temple, there were there was one main tent in the center of it. It's called the holy place. And inside the holy place, there were two divisions in this tent. There was a holy of holies where the Ark of the Covenant stood and the mercy seat of God rest. And that's where His presence manifested. And immediately outside the Ark of the Covenant, right outside the veil, there was something called the, the, the uh, golden altar of incense. That's where the priest would come in and put... Uh, incense in a censure and he would lift it to heaven and if you've ever been in a Catholic uh, mass or a funeral or, or a wedding oftentimes you'll see that priest out there lifting up that, that censure of, of incense and it, it smells beautifully and it lifts up into the atmosphere those, 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 th that incense represents the prayers of the saints when we see what's going on in heaven church the saints have prayed the trumpet trumpet uh, Judgments have been released. When we think of a trumpet, we think of that beautiful shofar sound. But that's not the trumpet mentioned here in Revelation 8. This is the type of trumpet that's mentioned. The shofar was used to call people to the temple to worship God. The sound of the trumpet was to go to war. It was to gather the armies together. 
It was to gather the troops together to go up against the army to vanquish the enemy, to advance and to conquer. Church, when we look at Revelation chapter 8, we are not looking at a worship service. We're viewing war footage. This is God at His absolute most judgmental. His wrath is being poured out on the earth. Church, we know that these judgments, whether we're talking about the seal judgments, the trumpet judgments, or eventually the bowls judgments, we know that these judgments are how God is restoring the planet. How God will take back ownership of the world. But what triggered all of those trumpets? What triggered J.C. and the Sunshine Band's greatest hits? Thanks for asking. Revelation chapter 2. Verse 2. And I saw the seven angels who stand before God. He's seated on the throne. And to them were given seven trumpets, not shofars, but silver trumpets for war. Another angel who had a golden censer. Remember what I told you about Father Gene walking through the church with the incense? Well, he came and he stood at the altar. What are you talking about there, priest? The altar. Remember how I told you in the tabernacle there was a Holy of Holies and right outside that Ark of the Covenant that was inside the Holy of Holies, there was that golden incense, that, that golden altar of incense. Church, I want you to understand something. The layout in heaven is the same layout that was on earth. If you don't know a little bit about Judaism, you're going to be lost, I think, when you get there. Well, you don't understand the type and shadows that were inside that temple. You're missing something. So the angel came and stood at the altar. He was given months incense to offer with the prayers of all the what? What was in the censure? The prayers of the saints. Your prayers, my prayers. On the golden altar. And where is the golden altar? It's before the what of God. It's before the mercy seat of God just like it was in the temple. So it is in the temple of heaven. The Throne of God is there, and right in front of it is the altar of incense, which is the prayers of the saints. Church, if you wonder why your prayer life is not where it should be, it's probably because you moved the altar too far away from the throne. It's because you've moved your prayers too, away, uh, too far away from the presence. Never get your prayers too far from the throne. The smoke of the incense, together with the prayers of the saints, went up before God from the angel's hand. Then the angel took the censer, filled it with fire from the altar. That would have been the prayers of the saints, and hurled it at the earth. And there come peals of thunder and lightning and flashes of lightning and an earthquake. Church, I want you to notice that, that whole idea of the altar and the throne. But what's inside the altar? Church, say prayers of the saints. Who are saints? Can you guys name some saints? Who? Me? Okay. Can you guys name any saints? St. Francis? St. Peter? Who? Okay. Anybody else? St. Nicholas? Somebody else? Who? Good. Anybody else? And when we see that word prayers of the saints, we oftentimes think of those, you know, those heavy hitters, those rock and roll inductees of the faith, you know, St. John, St. Nicholas, things like that, St. Francis, St. Teresa, St. John, St. Andrew, St. Anne. But I want to talk about those prayers for a second because I don't think the prayers of the saints are what, we're, what, we, would, uh, what we would say are the, the prayers of those saints that are on statues. Or the saints of those prayers that nursing homes are named after. Church, 
church, the earliest writings we have of the early church praying to saints, dead Christians, to intercede for them to talk to God, it's not in the first century and it's not in the second century. The church didn't start praying to God through saints until about the third century. You won't find any of that in Scripture. It wasn't practiced in the early church. I agree with the Augsburg Confession. And what the Augsburg Confession says is this, is we can honor the great saints of the past by thanking them for their godly examples. We can honor the great saints by using the saints as examples for strengthening the believer's faith. And we can honor them by imitating their faith and their values. Now you think, well, Brother Mike, I've never heard of the Augsburg Confession. It's because it's from the Lutheran side of the family. But I happen to agree with them. Church praying to a dead saint will not get your prayers any further to the throne of God than if you prayed in my name. Those are not the types of prayers of saints that we're talking about. Church, we can come into agreement with our Lutheran side of the family on this matter because they and we see no scriptural support for praying to the dead to ask for help. I will tell you who we can pray to. We pray to God through His Son, Jesus Christ, and we are immediately brought our prayers and confidence into the throne room of heaven. We don't go through St. Teresa or St. John. We go through Jesus. We don't go through a saint. We go through a Savior. You don't find that going to a saint to go to God in Scripture. Church Christ is the only mediator between God and man. and He's the only one that we, the saints, go to when we pray. And by the way, when we talk about the prayers of the saint, it's not the St. John, St. Peter, St. Paul, things like that. I want you to see what saints are referred to, uh, uh, what saints refer to in the New Testament and also the Old Testament. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 1. I want you to understand what Paul calls Christians at the church. Paul, an apostle of, the church, uh, of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the church, uh, uh, to the church of, of, uh, of God in Corinth, together with all the what? He's talking about church folk, people who've given their lives to Jesus. 2 Corinthians 9.1 There's no need for me to write to you about the servants of the saints. 2 Corinthians 13.13 13. All saints, all of the saints send their greetings. Talking about the church. Psalm 116, verse 15, Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of one of His saints. Not talking about St. Francis, not talking about St. Anne, not talking about St. Joe. Y'all, he's talking about St. Jason. He's talking about St. Dane, and he's talking about St. You. He's talking about St. Pam and St. Wimpy and St. Mike. Church, if you are a born-again Christian, I've got good news for you. You're as just as much saint as Teresa ever was. You're as much saint as St. Paul ever was. You, my friend, are a saint. And if we read in Scripture that it's the prayers of the saints that move God's hand to bring judgment, we need to understand something. You may not have much in faith, you may not have much faith in prayer to move God, but your prayers move God. We pray to the Father through Jesus, for He alone is worthy, and for centuries now, those prayers of the saints have been accumulating under the altar before the throne. Mike, what prayers have they been? Here it is, we've all prayed them. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on as it is in. That's the prayer. 
For thousands of years, the people of God have been praying, God, when will you restore the world? When will you make all wrong right? When will you wipe out disease? When will you redeem the world? When will your plan come into effect? When will you do it? Every time we pray, Thy will be done on heaven as it is on earth. I'm sorry, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Every time saints have prayed that, billions of prayers by millions of saints will one day make this thing pop. And we'll hear the trumpets blow. Don't you think for a second God doesn't hear your prayer or honor your prayers. In fact, there's one thing I know about prayer is this. The power of your prayer outlives your life. It outlives a generation. outlives an age. It'll outlive a church. It'll outlive the world because the Bible tells us that those prayers have accumulated under the altar by the throne church. In the same prayer, whether it was an Old Testament or a New Testament saint, it was basically the same prayer. When will you do something, God? When will you... When will you finish the job? Revelation 6, verse 9 through 11. When he opened the fifth seal, I saw the altar of souls and those who had been slain before the word of God and the testimony they had maintained. People who got saved during the tribulation got killed and their prayers are still in heaven. It says, God, they cried out with a loud voice. They prayed, How long, sovereign Lord, holy and true, until you judge the inhabitants of the earth? How long till you avenge your blood? What they're praying is, God, when will you let your will be done on earth as it's being done here? Church, same prayer. I believe as D.L. Moody, you can look behind every great move of God and you will always find a kneeling church. You can see every great outpouring of God. And if you look behind it, you will always see a pairing group of Christians who God responded to. Revelation 8 is the moment that those prayers are about to be answered. Church, we've all prayed those prayers. God, when, you, when will you make the devil pray? When will you make the devil pay for what he's done? God, when will you take up for your people? God, when will you uphold your law? God, when will you make right this holocaust of abortion? God, when will you make right and rescue your people? And we've all said that. Church, the reason I showed you the trumpet judgments first and the horror of, the, of what goes on at that time is because I wanted you to know what triggers it. It was the prayers of the saints that move God to that move God to move. You see, church, our prayers aren't our attempt to get our will done in heaven. Our prayers are our attempt to get God's will done on earth. God, let your will be done here. And church, like it or not, prayer changes things. Prayer moves heaven. Prayer gets God's attention. The Bible says in James 5.16, the prayers of a righteous man are two things. They are powerful and effective. How powerful and effective are they? Look in Revelation 8 and you'll see. Because it's the prayers that triggers the judgment. And what we're seeing in Revelation 8 is the cumulative effect of all those prayers of innumerable righteous saints. Church, do you think heaven takes our prayers seriously this morning? I believe that heaven takes our prayers very seriously, even though we may not. You see, your prayers are music to God's ears. I believe that your prayers melt God's heart. I believe that if only FBC had a ministry where we prayed for the city on a regular basis, I think we could do great things for the kingdom of God. If only we had a ministry in place where we pray and go, oh wait, we do have a ministry in place. To see the power of prayer manifest in this city on a regular basis. Those prayers at the altar in heaven tells us something powerful about prayers. Prayers outlive those who pray them. They outlive the generation, they outlive the age, and they outlive the world. Here's your takeaway from Revelation chapter 8. We're going to go on. Keep praying for God to move in your life. Don't stop praying. Preach, I don't know why you're giving me all this 
uh, I don't know why you're giving me this sermon. Listen to me. Everything in my life's going good right now. I don't need to know about prayer. I'm good. My friend, if the only time you're praying is when you're in trouble, you're in trouble. If the only time you're praying is when your back's up against a wall, you're in the weeds. Church prayer isn't your spare wheel you put on when you're in your trouble. It's a steering wheel that you hold on to to keep you out of the ditch. I encourage you to pray. Pray more privately. Pray more corporately as a church. Now, I don't have a lot of time. And you might be saying, well, preach, I don't got a lot of time. I know what you're about ready to do. You're about ready to ask me to get and pray and go, preach, I don't have a lot of time. I don't want to give an hour every month. Man, this thing is crazy. I didn't sign on for all this mess. Yes, you did. Being a part of Pray and Grow is a great way to be a, uh, Pray and Go is a great way to be a part of, 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 of serving this community and serving uh, Christ's church once a month or once every six weeks or once every eight weeks. Church, we are in the middle of the 10 for 30. We're looking at the rule. Wednesday night, our connect group is phenomenal. Uh, and it, it, it's a blessing. And if you're not coming, I preach, I, you, ought to, you ought to come. It doesn't matter if you miss the first one. You can miss the first and the third one or whatever. You could still be blessed. But this is what we're looking at. We're looking at the 10-second rule. And the 10-second rule is basically this. When you're relatively or you're reasonably certain that Jesus is wanting you to do something, you do it immediately within the next 10 seconds. I want to say that again. The rule that we're looking at right now is once we are sure that Jesus is telling us to do something, we do it. We do it immediately. How many of y'all are doing that this month? Anybody? Okay. If you're not, then why not? If you're not doing it, then why not? I mean, really, the only answer you can say is, well, because I don't want to do what Jesus wants me to do. And you know, anytime we say, well, I'd really like to, but. Or I really want to, but. Or I, I really ought to, but. Anytime we say the word but, we're saying, my excuse and my, my reason for not doing what you've asked me to do is more important than what you've asked me to do. How many have been telling Jesus, but? Jesus, I would, but. I'm already doing enough. Jesus, I would, but. Church, if we believe prayer melts God's heart and His music to His ears, and we believe that prayer gets God's will done down here the way it is up there, if we really believe that, pray and go will never lack saints who will pray. Never. If I could ask every head to be bowed and every eye to be closed. In a moment, I'm going to ask you to put your prayers to work on seeing the move of God in the 62233 in Randolph County in Chester First Baptist Church. Today, will you make a commitment to be a part of our 2022 Pray and Go ministry? Lord God, in the name of Jesus, I just want to come to you with these saints. Father, I pray that you would mobilize and engage this church in prayer for this community. Father, I pray that you would weaponize this church because we're in a battle. We're not on a playground. We're in a battlefield. Lord God, weaponize this church with the power of prayer. Use us, dear God, to take back enemy the land, uh, take back land the enemy has stolen, joy the enemy has robbed. Father, use this church to bring Chester to the throne. Father, I pray that today you would raise up another crop of pray and go ministers. Holy Spirit, don't take it easy on them. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. The church said.
Y'all weren't happy about it. Church, prayer for you as a Christian is not a duty. Prayer for you as a Christian is your privilege. You get to pray. You don't have to pray. You get to pray. And right now is where you decide if you're really committed to living and following Jesus or maybe you're going to discover that you really don't have the belly to really follow Him. Church today, you're being asked to pray and go, will you? Maybe you're saying, well, Mike, I can't walk very well. We, we have Watch from Prayer Ministry going on right now. Lynn and Gary are over there praying. Or maybe you can't get out of your home or whatever. We have people praying on a weekly basis for the people who are walking, for the people who are going door to door and leaving a door hanger. We have people praying for that. So you may be homebound. You can still be a part of the pray and go ministry. Once we are relatively certain what Jesus has called us to do, we do it. We do it immediately within the next 10 seconds. Will you be a part of the 2022 Pray and Go ministry? I want you to filter that through the rule. I'm asking you to pull the trigger this morning. And you can do that in one or two ways. You can do that by... On your way out, there's a sign-up sheet in the foyer. And by the way, if you were a part of Pray and Go last year, you're off the hook right now. I only ask you to sign up for six months. So if you want to do it again, you're going to have to sign up again. Just as a man of my word. Here's a second way. You can pick up your phone right now. And you can text 618-615-2933. You can go ahead and pick them up. If you, if you text me right now... I'll say your name right now. I, it's important that people know where you stand. It's important that God knows where you stand. And you know what? I want the devil to know whose team I'm on. So this morning, if, if, if you would like to make a commitment to be a part of Pray and Go, you can do it one or two ways in the foyer, or you can text me right now. Uh, Kathy Lowry has texted me and said she is going to join. Anybody else? Anybody else says, hey, I, I want to be a part of this. Anybody else? Will you text me right now? Just send your name. Say, I'm on board. Or maybe you can say, hey, Mike, I'm, I'm going to sign up before I leave today. Anybody? Maybe at home. Maybe you're online. Say, hey, I want to use, I want to be used. I want to be used to serve in the pray and go ministry at that church. Tina Turner, Anna Weaver, anyone else? Anyone else? Tina Turner, Anna Weaver. Anybody else? You can just text me right now. Cooner in the back. Jane and Don are out in California. They just text. They're going to be a part of it. Anybody else? Angie and Cooner? I can't see. I, I, can't, I don't have my glasses on. Who's sitting next to you, honey? Noah. Okay, thank you. Anyone else? Back. All right. Michelle? Linda Schaefer, just Kelly Parker. Sharon Byram. Anyone else? Anyone else? Ken? Anyone else? As your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed. Will you make will you make a commitment to our 2022 pray and go ministry? Sarah Kirkpatrick, thank you. Will you make a commitment to our 2022 Pray and Go ministry? Y'all, as we continue the invitation, 
We're going to continue to worship the Lamb of God for all He's done and for all that He will do. And this morning, while we continue to worship, maybe God's going to come to you and say, Hey, I, I told you to do that. I asked you to do that. How come you're not responding? Why aren't you, why aren't you rising to the challenge? And, and here's the thing. What in the world will you tell Him? What will you tell Him? Because the truth is, we both know why. And I pray the Holy Spirit does not let you off the hook this morning. I pray the Holy Spirit does not let you rest or be content. In fact, if He's calling you to be a part of a powerful special ministry at this church, and you tell Him no, I don't got to pray for you to be a... I don't got to pray for you to be upset and miserable because the Holy Spirit will do that on His own. He wants you this morning. And once you're relatively certain what Jesus wants you to do, would you do it immediately? In Jesus' name. And amen.